walk around and disregard it. Ship you walk the ground, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Talk around and disregard it. Ship you walk the ground, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. 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 Very What's up everybody? Hardest part of the ring is back. But this time. With a little barbed wire wrapped around me or something, you know? <laughs> hey! Now, this... I, I gotta throw, throw a disclaimer in front of this episode real quick, folks. Because, uh, you know... If you've listened to my podcast in the past, you know that it tends to be uh, pretty tame. Pretty subdued. Pretty uh, benign, some may say, you know, very clean, very family-oriented hijinks happens on the apron bump. In general, right? You all know. You all know. But today, we're getting extreme... I don't know why I said that like Vince McMahon, but <laughs> man, oh man, today we start it. E C W, first ever episode. Finally, finally, I'm excited to get into everything. I'm I'm excited to get into some Braden Walker. I'm excited to get into some you know Ezekiel Jackson, some Bobby Lashley. Uh, Elijah Burke, Sir Sylvester Turkai, all of those guys, man. All of those guys that we all associate with uh, ECW. But uh, you know what? I guess before we get into all that, we should probably start from the beginning. The inception of ECW. Now, quick history lesson. I won't, you know, just read off the Wikipedia fucking article or anything, but... Just to kind of set a foundation for what we're getting into here. Now, first of all, this is all part of uh, my Wrestling Wars of the 90s series. So this will be chronologically in line with my episodes for uh, WWF and WCW, which we are all now. It's still in 94, the tail end of 1994. Um, These three companies... As any wrestling fan knows, but maybe hasn't lived through, uh, ECW, WCW, WWF, they were the main dogs in town. Now, WWF and WCW obviously were several tiers above ECW, but ECW is still that cult 
phenomenon that existed and really changed the landscape of wrestling, even though a lot of, you know, old school guys like Jim Ross and Eric Bischoff, guys like that who I've listened to talk about ECW, they don't want to give ECW the credit for making an impact that they did. But the fact remains that they did. And the beauty of it is that if you follow this podcast and you follow all my reviews through the 90s, you're going to find that out. And you're going to figure out how all the crossover between the other companies, all the uh, trickle-down effects or trickle-up, I guess, from ECW into the style that WCW and WWF would begin to uh, adopt. A lot of that kind of came from ECW. You know, that general, like, I don't know, that's grungy kind of feel, I guess you would call it. Obviously, all the hardcore elements. You would see the WWF begin, you know, they bring in Hell in a Cell. They bring in more blood and violence. They bring in the hardcore title. All that shit. WCW even has their own hardcore title and all the fucking shenanigans they have within a few years. Blood, violence, Judy Bagwell, all of that stuff, right? And you got to believe all of that is some benchmarking that they did from from ECW and what made ECW so successful, uh, at least in the niche that they were targeting. But yeah, ECW, for those unaware, actually started, even though this show is in 1994, and I will get to why we're starting with this show. ECW really started in like 1989, 1990, somewhere in there. But they were under the banner of Tri-State Wrestling Alliance, which was... For lack of a better term, just to simplify it, it's kind of like an extension of NWA. Um, maybe that's not the right word, but they, they were affiliated with NWA in some sense, right? Um, and they were pretty much just riding under that banner for a few years until uh, 1992 when uh, Joel Goodart, the, uh, the owner of Tri-State Wrestling, sold his share of the company to his partner, Tom Gordon, who then renamed the promotion Eastern Championship Wrestling. So it's still kind of under the banner, or at least like under like the uh, the stigma of NWA, but at least it's kind of establishing its own identity, right? It still kind of has the same foundations that you would find in the NWA, but it has a different name. That's basically where they were until the later half of 1993 when the Booker of Eastern Championship Wrestling, Eddie Gilbert left and was replaced by a little guy called Paul Heyman. And so Paul Heyman came in, and we all know Paul Heyman at this point in 2021. We know the kind of person he is. We know the kind of mind he has. And that mind was still existing in 1993. So you picture Paul Heyman, Paul E. Dangerously, coming in to a company that had this old school mentality, you know, the, the Ric Flair's, the Harley races, like that kind of wrestling, right? Old school wrestling. You think Paul Heyman likes that shit? No, he does not. No, he does not. Or he at least, he at least is able to identify that that is not what the fans are wanting during that time. And anybody that lived in the nineties knows that, Harley Race, the Be- Beckel Hockenschmidt, the uh, <laughs> whatever the fuck their names are. They all have goofy ass names like that. That's not what people wanted in the 90s. Like I said, it was grunge. It was Nirvana. It was Rugrats. It was, <laughs> it was, so 
But you know, I mean, it was there was that counterculture, there was that rebellious attitude that would go on to make WWF and WCW so great, right? In the later later years after this, that attitude that that attitude that would when when it meshes with wrestling, it just creates a perfect storm, and that's what ECW was capturing before WCW or WWF. Because remember, we're all in the same timeline, right? As far as my podcasts. SummerSlam 94. We have like the the Doink the Clowns. We have Duke the Dumpster Jose. There's a Tatanka. There's Lex Luger. There's uh, what other goofy characters are there? Even Diesel to an extent is pretty goofy, right? All these colorful characters and the Rawls. Oh my God. I'm, I'm watching these 1994 Rawls. And it's like, what the fuck, man? This is the worst... Tell like I I'm I'm sorry for anybody that lived through that. <laughs> not engaging at all. The best part of the Rawls in 1994 are Macho Man on commentary, and he's about to leave even. So in a WCW they have Hulk Hogan, but otherwise, what Johnny B. Bad? Nobody likes Johnny B. Bad. A little Richard ass motherfucker. Jim Duggan. Jim Duggan is a champion right now in WCW where we're at. You kidding me with this shit? <laughs> so no. Fans are not digging WCW. Fans are not digging WWF. So this is a perfect time for ECW to come out from the ashes and establish their own identity. And that's what they did in 1994. Paul Heyman has the reins, the booking reins. Tom Gordon is running the company. Paul Heyman wanted to get away from that old school NWA mentality. It had run its course. It had run its course. They needed something different. Like I said, that's you look at my previous episodes, it's not what people want in wrestling. What WCW and WWF are putting out. And that shows in their buy rates, that shows in their attendance. Their business is down. Business is down right now. ECW looks to change that. And that started in August of 1994 when Shane Douglas won a tournament to win the NWA world title which was the world title under the banner of uh, Eastern Championship Wrestling so Shane wins this title and it's still the NWA title it still has that lineage like I said the Ric Flair's the Harley races Dusty Rhodes Ricky Steamboat all those guys so he has this title that has all, all this prestige all this history all this respect. He wins the title. And as he's, as he's cutting a promo in the middle of the ring. With this title over his shoulder. He basically says. That all those guys I just named. Can kiss his ass. Throws the title. Down in the middle of the ring. And basically. To paraphrase. Says that. He doesn't want to. He does not want to accept. A torch being passed down to him. From guys that basically died out several years ago or a company that died out several years ago. He doesn't want to accept a torch. He wants to ignite a new flame. And that new flame is extreme championship wrestling. And I watched that promo earlier and it's fucking fantastic. First of all, I mean the words are the words, whatever it is, you know, he had an okay delivery, but after he cut this promo, you have an ECW chant, maybe one of the first I don't know if it was one of the first. I could be very wrong. But it just felt so organic. 
He cuts this promo because the fans are with him. He just told Ricky Steamboat to kiss his ass, and the fans are with Shane Douglas because they want this. They want something new. They want a new direction. They're watching WWF, and it's not giving them what they want. They're watching WCW, and it's not giving them what they want. Eastern Championship Wrestling, now Extreme Championship Wrestling, is looking to give the fans what they want. Such a cliche thing to say. Every company, every every independent wrestling company does it nowadays. But Extreme Championship Wrestling was really looking to do that. And they really ended up succeeding for a while. For a while. So that's what brings us to this episode. ECW, November to remember, 1994. Why do I start with this show? It's not the first pay-per-view. Hell, they don't even have pay-per-views until 1997. It's not their first show. Like I said, they started back in the early 90s, like 1990. November to remember 94 is the first major event under the Extreme Championship Wrestling banner as opposed to the Eastern banner. You know, they had been picking up steam on their TV shows, making certain transitions, certain changes in direction. And you see subtleties within this show. It'll be a, a little while before they really, really have their pedal to the metal here. But you can see the transitions happening. You can see Tommy Dreamer. He's no longer just the white meat baby face that he came in into Eastern Championship Wrestling as. You know, this show is shortly after that famous, thank you, sir, may I have another. You know, when he lost the Singapore Kane match and he had to get caned by Sandman like a fucking thousand times. This is shortly after that. And you see a lot of the stuff that we talk about with Tommy Dreamer that he does. It's kind of his character transitioning into more of a hardcore type of wrestler. Public Enemy is another team that is very counterculture to what we've seen in tag teams before. As far as, you know, coming out and hitting people with bats and all that shit. So there's little things here and there, but this is the start. And I know I'm rambling, but it's important that we start this off strong. It's important that we get the foundation because... Man, now that we are into ECW, we're off and running, man. And um, couldn't ask for a better guest. Someone that fancies him as an extreme fellow himself. I'm assuming that. Um, at least in the uh, the condomless sex variety. As he is <laughs> the host of the Smackin' It Raw podcast. Matt Ritter. Apparently his name is not... Matt Riddler, <laughs> as I called him in our SummerSlam 2001 episode. Um, but yes, Matt Ritter of the Smackin' It Raw podcast joins me today. And we have a good old time pulling each other's puds and having some open mouth kisses over ECW. Uh, you can find him at Matt Riddler, <laughs> Matt Ritter, at Matt Ritter on Twitter. M-A-T-T-R-I-D-D-E-R, Matt Ritter. And you can find him at Linktree backslash Smackin' It Raw. All of his info in the description, as always. Really good time with Matt here. Uh, both of us are kind of on the same plane as far as our knowledge of ECW, so it's good to kind of listen to us figure it out <laughs> as we and not figure some stuff out. But let's get right to it. ECW, November to remember 1994 with myself and Matt Ritter from the Smackin' It Raw podcast. And don't worry, folks, we're going to keep it clean this time. You're not quite that old. You're, you're, no, you're a bit I'm, older than me, but... 
I'm not there yet. Maybe You're not finger in the ass old. Uh, six more years, I think. Okay, you're keeping. You have a countdown going. Yeah, I think it's forty, and I'll, I'll be thirty-four uh, just before WrestleMania. So, I see. Yeah. So, I, I have an, a, a hilarious joke that I want to start off this podcast with. Right. I don't believe so, you, but go ahead. But you're. I'm gonna. I'm gonna need you to help uh, set set me up here. Okay. Uh, we'll edit it in post. Don't worry. Um, but if you laugh, cause it, it's, it's going to cause a raucous laughter and it might be a little too loud in the mic. So if you can like back up from the mic when you, when you laugh okay, at this hilarious joke. Okay. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to be like, uh, Hey Matt, how you doing? Um, you're gonna be like, fine. How are you? And then you're, you're going to ask me what I thought of the show today. Um, and then I'm going to respond with the punchline. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> hey Matt Ritter. Uh, h- how you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm good. What did you think of the show? It was uh, extremely bad. Was I too far away for you to hear the laugh? No, no, you're good. Yeah, okay. I appreciate you backing off. Uh, just not to bust out the eardrums of yeah, the no. listeners with your Absolutely. laughter. You didn't like the Excellent. show? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it was. I mean, we'll get right into it, man. I mean, um, it was interesting. I will say I did enjoy it because um, like I said, I, I even tweeted this out. I was watching this man and I was just like sucked in by it for whatever, whatever reason. Cause I've never really watched. I think me and you are kind of on the same plane as far as ECW goes, but correct me if I'm wrong. You've, you've kind of haven't really paid that much attention to ECW in the past. Have you? Uh, when it was a thing, I was not a fan of ECW when ECW was going on because I'm old enough to be like, when it was big, I was old enough to like be about it. But uh, when it was going on, I was not a fan. After yeah. everything kind of played out, I have gone back and watched a lot, documentaries, things like that, and become very familiar with ECW. Yeah. Yeah, same here. I've pretty much watched all the documentaries that at least WWE has put out. Um, and I've seen a few matches here and there, kind of in a vacuum. But I've never... I think this might be the first start to finish show i've ever seen of uh of the original ecw this this was actually really cool because i didn't realize that this pay-per-view was like a moment that i have seen a million times burned in my head that we're going to talk about later because something happened here that's like an iconic moment for ecw was it in the main event Mm-hmm. yep yep and yep. there's actually a few there was, there was another thing that happened that was a pretty big moment um kind of in the middle of the show but um the best moment. Well, I guess. <laughs> so the show, the show starts out with uh, the extreme national anthem, oh aka <laughs> shitty Jimi Hendrix. Dude, the production on this show is like I literally thought I was just watching an indie show. Like, right? That's it had that indie feel, and the production was. I mean, even during this segment when they're trying to do shit and the mics aren't working and everything's fucking failing like mm-hmm. so bad yeah but can i tell you something though i kind of almost like that in a way maybe not like the mics being shitty and stuff like that but there's some this value i think to like the realistic energy of it you watch a lot of amateur porn don't you you know <laughs> honestly you know I hate when porn is like over, like the lighting's <laughs> yeah. too good, that the, there's too much like 
lube, you know, like that kind of porn where there's pouring lube all over their asses. So like you're, you're, well, yeah, I know what you're talking about, but so you're not a big fan of like the, uh, the Brazzers and, uh, uh, naughty Americas and, uh, the overly produced, very clean looking porn. You're much more of like, uh, uploaded on a cell phone sort of, sort of kind of guy. I want a timestamp in the corner and I want a big fat black guy wearing white socks fucking a, a white wife while a, a guy's in the corner recording okay that's just what i like i think that's why i like ecw because that's kind of like the the black guy in white socks of wrestling i think <laughs> <laughs> see now that was a good joke look at you <laughs> that's the second great joke of the of the podcast here yeah you're right <laughs> but yeah like i like the fact because i was even watching this with my girlfriend at the time and she even commented like unprompted by wait, me wait, like wait 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 back your girlfriend blow up doll at the time okay because <laughs> when you say my girlfriend at the time no at I, the time i was watching the show so she was only your girlfriend when you watched the show i mean she was then but she also is now okay because yeah when you say my girlfriend at the time it implies she's no longer your girlfriend i'm like you fucking right. watched this yesterday bro like <laughs> was the show so bad she dumped you and left because you made her watch it what's going on here i actually broke up with her to, to be with peaches oh, okay but, uh... <laughs> Well, she does have some new. She did get some new things done. She did. Is she still alive? I, I, I wasn't no even idea. sure of that. I didn't look that up. But uh, no, I, your I national anthem, the extreme national anthem on guitar. Very good, right? Yeah. And it was uh, like it was fine, I guess. Um, the shitty audio aside, but then thankfully, like halfway through, it gets interrupted by. 911 and Paul E. Dangerously, a young, fresh Paul Heyman, which is hilarious to see with 2020 lenses. Just out there shucking and jiving, like the way he was moving, the way he was, because he talks the same. So I didn't even really recognize it was Paul Heyman until he started speaking, honestly. But yeah, 911, who for all intents and purposes is just a uh, a big, uh, I don't know, who would you compare him to? Just like a... uh, uh kind of like the harris brothers like a ron right, don yeah. harris or if we're looking at, i mean today i guess lance archer right kind of yeah you know yeah, for don, the young yeah, kids that, who don't yeah. know who the fuck the harris brothers are <laughs> doa um as they were known yeah he, he would fit right in there but he comes out big tall dude gives kind of a, a he gives a choke slam to this guy playing the guitar which he's not a trained wrestler i'm assuming so he really took care of him on the choke slam so it was kind of like uh it's like when you choke slam your your daughter or something and you you do it really nicely and well, um, judging by most of the guys in the show you wouldn't be able to tell if this guy was trained for ecw or not yeah i mean he fit right in he yeah did, he did he did not stick out like a sore thumb but then yeah he, he choke slams uh jimmy hendrix and then uh paul Heyman grabs the mic and he's <laughs> the mic's not working right off the bat. We're like five minutes, if that, into the show, and we're already having mic problems. Um, he's like yelling at the guy, like telling him to turn the mic on. And then some time passes. There's there's a lot of like dead space in this show as well, just like waiting waiting for stuff to happen. Um, they eventually get to the ring, and nine one one choke slams the. I guess he was a, just like a secondary ring announcer. So I believe that's the main ring announcer. So prior okay. to this pay-per-view, ECW was Eastern Championship Wrestling. They Correct. were part of the NWA, and they had their own thing. And then 
after Shane Douglas won the NWA title, he denounced it and declared himself ECW champion and that they were no longer Eastern Championship Wrestling. They were Extreme Championship Wrestling. So when 911 came down and attacked this dude, Paul Heyman said, I always hated your ring announcing. So to me, this felt like this transition Mm. from the old guard to the new way. Right. Yeah, that's kind of a general theme going through this show because I should say, you know, in the beginning, so this is the first lie. It's not a pay-per-view, but it's like the first special event under the banner of extreme championship wrestling. I wish you had told me because I spent like five minutes looking and I'm like, dude, ECW's pay-per-views only go back to 1995. What the fuck is he talking about? And I'm like, (laughs) I went through ECW TV show episodes at first. I'm like, well, maybe it's a special. Oh, there it is. But it took me fucking forever to find it because I just assumed it was a pay-per-view. Dude, looking for ECW shows on the network is a pain in the asshole. It's like, because like you said, actually the pay-per-views don't start till 97, I don't think. But they have like other special events until then. And this is one of them. And they have some shows that are like fan cam. I don't know. It's it's a bunch of ridiculous shit. but, But yeah, you make a good point. So this is the first show under that banner. And they... So, so when you brought up Shane Douglas and how he dropped the belt and all that, that, that was a few months before this. So on TV, on their TV shows, they've, they've kind of been gradually building and kind of changing their whole uh, the whole theme of the show or the whole like atmosphere of the show. And uh, this is kind of a culmination of a lot of the storylines and that first kind of go of it. So, I love that you go back and you like watch everything that leads up to this because I I, I did not watch the TV shows. I'm just oh. I'm assuming oh. I'm assuming. I just looked at the dates of when Shane Douglas won the title and when this pay-per-view happened, and I'm only assuming. So I could be did, completely wrong. I just, I know you said you like to watch all of the shows leading up to a pay-per-view, so you know what's going on. So I assumed. Right. I typically do. For for whatever reason, I didn't do it. On no, because this. it was it's, me, and you were like, fuck that guy. No, I got you. Yeah, it's like, he'll figure it out. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, for all I know, all those TV shows leading up to this could have just been Paul E. and 911 jerking each other off for an hour. That's literally what it was. You know, I had a really good joke to start the show off, too, and you fucked that up. Oh, no, hit me with it. All right, so what we're going to do is I'm going to say, hey, Kyle, how you doing? You're going to say good, and then you're going to ask me what I thought of the show. Okay. Ready? We'll, we'll let it at this in post, too. Okay. We'll put it in the beginning. Hey, Kyle, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. What did you think of the show? This was the best episode of Dynamite I've ever seen. <laughs> Fucking got him. suck our dicks cody but anyway (laughs) (laughs) we 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 peaked there we can we can't recover from that nope we're done might as well turn it off now but this 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 first segment isn't over we're we're not done with 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 911 here so actually are we i guess we kind of are he choke slams the ring announcer uh which and before he choke slams him uh paul Heyman takes his fucking 1994 cell phone which is essentially a brick and uh smashes the ring announcer over the head with it uh then the ring announcer i don't know his name who gives a shit what his name is gets a choke slam and then uh he's dead for a couple minutes and then they bring out a shitty stretcher and then just throw him on there and take him out and (laughs) but like i said it's like a lot of like a lot of this show is people getting the shit kicked out of them and then just the cameras on them waiting for like medical staff to come out and carry them out. And this is kind of like the first time that happened in this show. Um, but yeah, like I was saying earlier, I kind of like 
in a, in, in a way I kind of like it because it gives it a realistic energy and there's not like excessive graphics or lights and the commentary isn't constantly like shilling stuff and getting sound bitey stuff. It, like I like the kind of letting things lay out and just kind of happen in front of you. I really miss Joey Styles on commentary. I Fantastic. really Fantastic. Really good. And this isn't even peak Joey Styles at this point. I don't think. I guess it's kind of the same throughout. No, he uh he definitely finds his groove and settles in, but I mean this mm-hmm. is still the voice of ECW. You know, he he's not quite there yet, but it was decent for, you know, a one man show. Like you got to remember mm-hmm. major for the majority of ECW, it was just Joey Styles on commentary. There wasn't a two-man boot. There wasn't a three-man boot. I believe eventually Joel Gertner would join him when they got on mm-hmm. TV and stuff like that, uh, who also did some ring announcing, and Joel was fantastic. But Yeah. No, yeah, Joey was was great. And really, for, for ECW, the one-man booth, I think, fit perfectly. because He kept calling for a mic. Does anyone have me a, a mic stand? Can I get a mic stand? While he's trying to commentate matches and shit. <laughs> and who knows if that was like a, a shoot or if that was for a storyline. It could have just been like, hey, my mic broke. Give me another one because ECW. Yeah. That leads us to the first match. And so before you do that, yeah. ringside, there is a famous ECW. Uh, I don't know if this is technically ECW sign guy, but there was a guy ringside who had a new sign for every match. But the first sign that he had out, I don't know if you noticed this at the very beginning of the show, said, bring out the five-year-olds. Uh-huh. Did you see that? I didn't notice that one, no. Is that what young boys mean? (laughs) (laughs) Is that what what Miro got from his win over Chuck Taylor? (laughs) Yes, yes. uh, That's exactly what he got. No. Dude, I have no idea, no context behind bring out the five-year-olds, but I looked at the guy, and I'm like, that is a creepy sign from someone who looks like you. You should probably not be doing that. Yeah. Yeah. This is very random, but AEW made me think of this because I just listened to your, your latest podcast last night. Oh, gee, thanks. And you brought up how uh, white people don't wash their legs in the shower. <laughs> so I've heard. I do. I just Can I tell you I, something. Yeah, I don't think I really give them a good scrub. I think I kind of just let the soap and water hit it, maybe get it one little shuka shuka, and then uh, that's pretty much it. So I don't think that's totally inaccurate. <laughs> I've never watched non-white people shower though, so I can't really give all the uh, all the pieces to the puzzle there. You should definitely wash your legs front and back. I mean, I wash now. Nah, whatever. So. <laughs> Anyways, but in this first match, we have someone that doesn't wash their legs and someone that washes their legs. We got Hack Myers versus JT Smith. What can you tell me about these guys? Uh, Well, A, JT Smith is supposed to be, according to the ring announcer, uh, the ho- or Joey Styles, I believe, the hometown favorite. But uh, <laughs> this crowd didn't seem very pro JT Smith, and I- I'm not sure why if he was the hometown hero other than uh they didn't look very pro black uh uh-huh hack myers on the other hand um looked like the perfect person to cast in a live action south park to play man bear pig Mm. 
I don't think he would appreciate you describing him in that manner. That's okay. I'm pretty sure he's still not alive. I, I would be willing to bet that he isn't. But Hack Myers, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. Um, but <laughs> yeah, you, you brought that up. The hometown favorite. Boo. Dude. <laughs> and now that, now that you mention it, I'm trying to think of all the black guys that were on the show. And I can't think of one that got cheered. Yeah. Because you had Ron Simmons. You had uh, Scorpio. Scorpio, I think, got cheered, but he was wrestling Mr. Hughes, who was also black, uh, yes. who got booed. So they had to, they had to cheer for one guy, right? That's true. You got. To, <laughs> well, we'll get into that, but he was probably the man. Yeah, never mind. I was gonna say the, the lesser black of the two, but I don't think that's even correct. Um, but yes, Hack Myers versus J.T. Smith, and uh, Hack allegedly is from the last house on the left which is pretty cool. Have you seen that movie? I haven't. There's two versions. There's the original written by or uh, directed by Wes Craven, um, which is kind of an iconic horror movie um, Mm -hmm. for its brutality and just depictions of graphic uh, (sighs) violence. And then there's Mm -hmm. a remake that came out years later that was also... uh, hailed for its depictions of graphic violence so it's mm, pretty cool so you're saying this guy's pretty violent he's supposed to be it's a bad seed some may say another good movie <laughs> is that another one of your brazzers movies that is not a brazzers movie um, i'm willing to bet it is i would love to see brazzers do a porn parody of bad seed that'd be funny i mean that's a natural I mean, if anybody's in Brazzers is listening to this, get on that. But anyway, speaking of uh, fucking uh, Gonzo style, we have JT Smith versus Hack Myers. Um, the match is very quick. Um, <laughs> the crowd is yelling Shaw every time Hack Myers hits JT Smith, which I guess is a thing. Well, they said he's uh, the Shaw of Philadelphia or some shit. I don't know what that means, but. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I remember that and I didn't really care enough to research it. But uh, yeah, they start fighting on the outside and getting chairs from the people ringside, which is the most ECW thing that could happen right off the bat, other than mic issues. And then, uh, so yeah, Hack Myers just pretty much beats on JT Smith for a little bit, but then JT ends up hitting a Northern Lights suplex out of nowhere and uh, gets the win with that. We're not going to talk about JT Smith's innovative chair offense on the outside? No. I was going to do everything in my power to avoid <laughs> even remotely discussing that. <laughs> Why don't you tell people? So they brawl into the crowd. They come back out of the crowd. JT Smith picks up a chair. Hack Myers is behind him. And instead of turning around and hitting him with the chair, JT Smith just takes a back bump and puts the chair behind his head <laughs> to hit Hack Myers with the chair. Like he just, it was the weirdest fucking thing. It was athletic, right? Yeah. Super athletic. Probably really devastating, too. It didn't look like it hurt a bit. Hey, he got the win. And I think I would attribute his win to that back, uh, the inverted chair shot. Okay. If that's what we're calling it. I wouldn't, but, you know, that's, you're entitled to that opinion. Who needs a, who needs a Van Daminator when you have the, uh, the JT Smith uh, backflip chair shot? True, true. But then uh, I think Hack Myers attacks him after the match, doesn't he? 
Oh yeah, no. So this was a theme that I loved about the right. show is there would be a brawl after the match. They would brawl to the back, and instead of following up in the back to see what happened, the announcer would then just start the next match. Yes, seamless transitions. <laughs> Fantastic. As soon as they went through the curtain, the announcer was in the ring. Introducing, like, I was like, what the fuck happened? Like, you're not going to go back and show me what's going on back there? Like, Mm-mm. they could be murdering each other, and I have no idea. Nope, next one match. One shot, one shot, one take of the show. <laughs> but yeah, so to, to sum up, JT wins. Then him and Hack start fighting to the back. Crowd is chanting JT sucks because, as you know, JT is the hometown favorite. And then, yeah, like you said, next match, <laughs> we get um, a, uh, a tag team contest here. We have the Pitbulls versus the Bad Breed. Now, for anyone who is unfamiliar with these teams, pit, the Pitbulls are comprised of Pitbull number one and his partner, Pitbull number two. And um, to kind of paint the picture, um, imagine you go to um, Amsterdam and you go to one of those little little stores on the side streets, that, you know, where you pay to get like abused a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? I, I do. Yes. You know, you, you, you get uh, your balls wrapped in like some sort of cage. A BDM, have- uh, BDSM club. Yes. Yes. As uh, people on the streets, people in, in, the, in the business call it. Yeah. Um, but yes, the bad, the pit bulls dressed in leather. Uh, yeah, just look like guys that like having their testicles smashed with mallets. Basically, if uh, if that paints the picture of what these guys look like, future ECW tag team champions, the pit bulls. They stick around for a while, I think, yep. don't they? Yes, they do. In fact, you know, now that I'm thinking about this, this is just popping into my mind right now. I did. I, I think I bought the DVD of uh, One Night Stand 2006. And it came with a free copy of Barely Legal 97, which was their first pay-per-view. Great name. And I remember, for some reason, I remember pit, one of the Pitbulls was in a match against, like, Perry Saturn or some shit. And I remember that match being so fucking awful that I, like, turned it off. Well, so- <laughs> Perry Saturn was one half of a very popular team in uh, ECW as well, the Eliminators. Right. Yes, that was, man... That's, that had to be his peak, right? Uh, it's that or Moppy, one of the two. My, you know what? You bring up a good point. You bring up a good point, but uh, Moppy is not here. I was going to say, it's hard sh- to get past having sex with a mop, you know, as your peak. <laughs> you really, there's nowhere you can go after that. There's not. Especially when Moppy gets brutally murdered in a, in a wood chipper. But uh, Pipples versus Bad Breed. Bad Breed reminded me of the British, I'm assuming they were British, version of the Nasty Boys. Why are you assuming they're British? Uh, I believe there was a British flag on their pants. Oh, was there? I think so. On their tights. You might be right. There, there's a lot of stuff going on. I yeah. didn't really catch everything. But yeah, I, th- I think, I hope that's what they were going for. I, th- I thought there was supposed to be like a parody of the Nasty Boys because Axel kind of looked like Axel Rotten. Wait, is that so? The Nasty Boys is Axel Rotten and Joey Sags. Is that what his name is? Jerry. Jerry Sags. Yeah. But th- this guy, did they have the same names as the no, Nasty Boys? No. Uh, one was something Rotten, 
but it wasn't Axel Rotten. And the other guy they just referred to as Axel. And I was thinking maybe they were Axel Rotten and something else Rotten. Maybe they were brothers. Um, or maybe they maybe it was Axel Sags and Jerry Rotten. I don't know. <laughs> you know what? You might be joking, but that sounds like a thing that they would do. <laughs> um, but yeah, this match happens. Um, they pretty much kind of pair off. So you have two guys fighting inside the ring, two guys fighting outside of the ring. One camera, uh, so you can only see the guys inside the ring. Exactly. But uh, Joey, God bless Joey Styles. He's still commentating on what's going on, on uh, outside of the ring because he's a goddamn professional. Um, and he knows the viewers can't see it. So they did the best they could, I guess. Um, but the match, again, a pretty short match. Uh, the Pitbulls ultimately win with a super powerbomb off the second rope. So kind of like a Dudley Boys powerbomb kind of deal. Um, but then as per the theme, so even though the pit bulls win, the bad breed will have none of this and they, uh, attack the pit bulls after the match and, uh, the crowd chants, we want blood. Mm -hmm. So if there's any question whether or not the crowd is, uh, in it with this extreme kind of, uh, path that they're going on, I think that kind of answers it. So crowd chants, we want blood. So one of the bad breed guys grabs a chain and busts open one of the pit bulls. And then they, the bad breed leaves. And then we had, we just watched the pit bulls laying there bloody for a little bit until the next match. So what'd you think of this whole uh, shenanigan? Uh, again, literally, I think literally every match there was a winner and then the winner was attacked by the loser mm -hmm. every single every time. I do appreciate that they did a little something different here than the first match. Instead of brawling to the back, we just bloodied them and left them in the ring. Um, mm -hmm. But essentially, it's almost the same finish every time. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much exactly the same thing. But we get something a little different in this next match. Mr. Hughes versus Too Cold Scorpio. So Scorpio comes out looking like Will Smith from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> with the <laughs> that's not race that's not by that's not racial that's just the jacket he was wearing okay okay so and then we have mr hughes curtis hughes coming out here i guess is he supposed to be a, a secret service kind of guy so what do you know of mr hughes he was the man he managed jericho and wwf for a bit didn't he or uh, somebody else I think he did that. I don't remember uh, if it was, it was, he was the heater. I'm going but to look it up. Cause that's going to bother me. He was in WCW for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, he was the enforcer for the York foundation. Uh, he bodyguard Lex Luther and uh, Harley race. Mm -hmm. um, and then he had a few with the undertaker in wwf in like 93 so shortly before this which they did mention oh really uh, yeah on commentary joey styles was trying to put him over and said something about his size and power and said the undertaker learned that and i was like oh wow just throwing out uh, just name dropping undertaker like that they do that a lot in this show name dropping and then uh he returned to the wwf in 97 uh as a bodyguard for triple h and then was replaced by china and then you're right um in 99 
was a masked opponent for Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho, who then ended up revealing himself as Jericho's bodyguard in the attack Shamrock. Yeah, and very short-lived, because I remember that. He was like, I don't know if they were trying to recreate, um, was it Ralphus from WCW with a, kind of a different deal here? Yeah, a much more serious version of Ralphus, because Ralphus was basically me in a small t-shirt as a manager. <laughs> in like 20 years. Yeah. I could see it. It's good to have goals, though. Well, you know. The next Ralphus. You you know, most people are going to be like, I want to have a body like, you know, Neville or uh, Ricochet. And I'm more of the Ralphus. I mean, it gets you places. Yeah. That's the proof is in the pudding there. But uh, so, yeah, Mr. Hughes, that's his. Uh, we did a little deep dive on Mr. Hughes there so that we have perfect context for this match against two cold Scorpio. And so during the intros, you know, the guys introduce introducing both guys, you know, hence intro and uh, introduces Mr. Hughes. But then Mr. Hughes corrects him. He says, I'm not Mr. Hughes. I'm the roughneck Mr. Hughes, which is uh, it's a good nickname. What do you think? No, that's terrible. <laughs> it doesn't seem <laughs> I, I don't even understand. Other than to intimidate the ring announcer, which does absolutely nothing for you, um, uh-huh. why you would do that? Isn't roughneck like a kind of like more of like a rural, like farm boy kind of nickname? Or am I thinking of redneck? Oh, uh, redneck is that as well. Um, roughneck is actually <laughs> apparently someone that works on an oil rig. Huh. So maybe that's do they wear do they wear ties and suspenders as well because that's what Mr. Hughes was wearing. Yeah, and oil rigs, ties and suspenders are generally uh, common work wear. I see. Okay, so we're kind of we're, we're figuring out his gimmick here because at first I was like, man, this is stupid as shit. Honestly, I um, guess it's a Texas thing. <laughs> that makes sense. I guess. I guess that that could be a thing. Um, but yes, he's wearing. Uh, he has a button up T shirt. He kind of looks like IRS but with sunglasses essentially. And, um, and the sunglasses, by the way, during this match, never come off, which is, uh, it's very impressive. I understand he has like a little strap on the back of his head, but even so it's very impressive. Probably the most impressive thing I saw on this show. It's like playing an old school wrestling video game. Uh, my buddy, Travis, uh, who's my co-host, uh, he always wears sunglasses when he co-hosts and he mm-hmm. also, always made his wrestlers wear sunglasses and they never came off in the game. It's pretty cool. Sunglasses are pretty intimidating, I think. Mm-hmm. So we have this match here and Mr. Hughes, who is much bigger than Scorpio, pretty much dominates Scorpio throughout the whole match. Um, but then towards the end, Scorpio gets thrown into the corner and hits a mule kick onto Hughes. Um, and then <laughs> Hughes does the hilarious like Ric Flair bump where he like walks around, stumbles for a little bit and just flat backs. And then uh, Scorpio goes to the top, hits him with the 450 splash and Scorpio sky gets, or not Scorpio sky <laughs> too cold Scorpio. I told you it was the best hits. episode of dynamite I've ever seen. <laughs> um, can I tell you something before SCU was an AEW, I had always heard that Scorpio 
was a part of their faction. And I didn't realize until I actually saw them on AEW that it was not too cold Scorpio. Yeah. I can see that. That is, I'm still not totally convinced that it's not too cold Scorpio. I'm very convinced it's not too cold Scorpio. (laughs) I just don't believe that Scorpio sky isn't too cold Scorpio's illegitimate child. It's gotta be. Yeah. That's a storyline for AEW. That that's what will help them break a million. I I wish she was I, like I don't wish she was older because she's fucking hot. But like if she was just a little bit older, I could play up the uh, two cold Scorpio and Velvet Sky illegitimate child angle. Hmm. Wait, why Velvet Sky? Oh, okay, Sky. Here we go. Sorry. <laughs> my, 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 did you hear my brain? The gears moving in my head. I absolutely. Did. Why Velvet Sky? It's not like oh shit, his last name is Sky. Fuck. Man, I was like doing equations in my head, like <laughs> Steiner math. You were doing Steiner math. I was, you know, two thirds percents, and then mm-hmm. I figured it out. So, but yes, Scorpio, too cold. Scorpio of the too cold variety uh, wins this match with a 450 splash. Joey Styles treats it like a huge upset, which I guess, I mean, he's much smaller, um, or at least a little bit smaller. Um, but as per usual, Mr. Hughes will have none of this um, attacks Scorpio after the match. And uh, they kind of just fight. I think Hughes kind of lays out Scorpio and he leaves. But then two cold Scorpio gets back up, grabs the mic, which thank God this time it was working. And Scorpio says to Hughes, hey, shoeshine boy, you just got hit with the disc that don't miss. Whoop, there it is. What do you think of that? I, I absolutely loved it. I also loved that before the match started, he kept looking at Mr. Hughes and then uh, imitating shoe shining with his boot as a taunt before the match started. That's a pretty good diss, I think. Yeah, it's a pretty good diss. I mean, is whoop there? You you are a bit older. It was a big 90s older than me. It was a big 90s thing. So if somebody just kind of walked up to you on the street and said, whoop, there it is. Would that be like fighting words? Uh, it, it, it was multi-purpose, so you could, uh, use it as like an emphasis at the end of a diss, or you could use it if you were like excited about something or you thought something was really cool. Mm. It all depends on the inflection and the context. Right. Like, let's say you're uh, playing basketball and you make a three pointer. mm -hmm. You could say it. So it's like, uh, it's like yeet. Uh, kind of. Or like zaddy. Please don't. Why? <laughs> but um, yes, they fight to the back after whoop. There it is. Um, some audio issues. Like, I don't know what the hell happened. Somebody had a stroke on the board and the mic, the sound was picking up like something else. Um, the mic, they were doing mic checks as this was happening. No one gave a fuck. Um, but Hughes came back of- and they brawled to the back. Exactly. Because, you know, that has to happen. Every match. Yeah, you can't just like end the match and then walk out and it's mm-hmm. over. No, then come back, we fight, we fight to the back, and then we announce the next match. Exactly. Yeah, the ring announcer plugs some merch, plugs some uh future live events, they're doing mic checks at all on the fly. Seamless production. Once again. Once again. So next match we have the Battle of the Tommies. Tommy Dreamer versus Tommy Cairo. Um, so I'm not too familiar with Tommy Cairo. I actually had to do a little bit of research 
Good, because I have no idea who the fuck this guy is. Well, actually, I don't. I still don't know about Tommy Cairo, but I wanted to kind of <laughs> know the context of what. I have no zero interest in knowing who Tommy Cairo is. Um, but he comes out. Cairo does, and he has a Singapore cane in his hand, and he's like has his hand over his eye. He's like acting like he's blind. So I'm like uh, immediately confused. It's like, is this his gimmick? Is he the blind guy? Um, does he use the kendo stick just to feel his way around the ring and hit people with it? Is that his whole thing? So apparently he is uh, mocking the Sandman who I guess uh, a week or two before this had in, uh, I guess it was an I quit match with Tommy Dreamer. And that match ended with Tommy like flicking a cigarette into Sandman's eye. And then he hit Sandman in the other eye with a kendo stick. So blinding him and that'll be an important thing to keep in mind put a pin in that folks because that will come back to that later in the show too but tommy cairo i guess i don't know why he's mocking the sandman i guess it's because he's facing tommy dreamer and tommy dreamer is like the ultimate baby face here so he feels bad about it so i guess that's kind of i'm, I'm kind of like putting it together as i'm talking so i guess that that's why tommy cairo is mocking him so the match starts tommy dreamer comes out looking very fresh-faced they fight to the outside immediately because ECW, uh, they're grabbing frying pans from the crowd. That's the best part of ECW is if you went to an ECW right. show, you brought whatever bullshit you had right outside the back door, right at the back door before you left the house, canoe paddles, frying pans, you know, whatever's just laying around. And then during matches, you can just hand them to the wrestlers and they will mm-hmm. take that shit and beat each other with it. It's a wonder why that's not still a thing, you know? I mean, obviously <laughs> not, not today, but... <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Tommy Dreamer busts Cairo open with a Singapore cane shot to the head. He throws him back in the ring, smashes his balls with it, you know, the normal ECW stuff. Um, and Joey, because this kind of goes back to the transition this company is going through at the time from Eastern championship wrestling to extreme championship wrestling. And that kind of metamorphosis is kind of also occurring in Tommy dreamer as well, because he debuted in Eastern championship wrestling. He, he was just kind of the young pretty boy guy. Um, the, the white meat baby face kind of dude. And he's kind of that, that kind of stuff he did with Sandman that I talked about earlier. And in this match as well is kind of him becoming more hardcore, more uh, aggressive, I guess, more violent. And Joey Styles is really putting that over on the commentary, which is a good, uh, again, another testament to how good Joey Styles was. Um, so kind of like a gimmick change, I guess, for Tommy Dreamer is kind of like transitioning. Um, because Tommy Dreamer just really just beats the shit out of him with a kendo stick, like over and over again to the point where the ref just rings the bell. Tommy Cairo cannot continue. And uh, yeah, that basically gives Tommy Dreamer the win here. I believe this is after the Sandman Tommy Dreamer story where Sandman came the shit out of Tommy Dreamer and he kept yes, saying, thank correct. you, sir. May I have another um, mm-hmm. to earn the respect of the extreme fans? Yep. Very true. Yeah. And that, that was kind of like the if there's one turning point for Tommy Dreamer, that would definitely be it from babyface to whatever the fuck he is now. Yeah. From like guy that can wrestle to guy that's really tough basically so uh so yeah t- tommy cairo's dead in the middle of the ring 
So we have the second stretcher job of the night, I think, if I'm correcting or if I'm counting correctly. Uh, but God, thank God, Tommy Cairo miraculously gets up. He don't need no stretcher. Um, and then he just kind of fucking saunters out to <laughs> silence from the crowd. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They, they did that a few times in this show where they would like, they would bring out like a stretcher and then the guy would get up like, ah, I don't need that. And then they just kind of peter out. You said Peter. <laughs> Speaking of Peter, we had we now have the man who in our previous podcast you said he had the biggest Peter. <laughs> Ron Simmons. <laughs> I was Simmons. so going to bring that up too because <laughs> I'm watching the sh- I'm watching this match and there was a clear dick imprint from Ron Simmons and I'm like I I fucking called it. Like I I told you. <laughs> Like it's right there. You can see it. Even like my wife was also watching the show with me, but she was kind of reading a book and doing some other shit. She wasn't paying attention. And she happened to look up and she goes, is that Farouk? And I'm like, yeah, that's Farouk. And she goes, is that his dick? And I'm like, yeah, that's his dick. And she goes, oh, okay. (laughs) Can I tell you something? Because I was watching it with my significant other as well. And she made a similar comment during the Taz match that we'll get to later. But she asked me, and this this is a quote, where do they put their penises when they're wrestling? <laughs> <laughs> and my answer was, huh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, I, that, you know, I mean, when you're Ron Simmons, I mean, man, you must have to just wrap that up like uh, an extension cord, right? Yeah, you wrap it around like a belt. Yeah. Oh, and then you beat your opponent with it, just like a belt too, right? Yeah, I was going to say, you can't let it hang down because if it's down on the thigh and like someone goes for like one of those inside thigh kicks, that's going to hurt. Man, that is not an issue that I will ever run into. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now, never... See, now I know why your girlfriend left you after the show. She saw Ron Simmons. <laughs> she's like, fuck this guy. God. Damn I'm going to go make butt. one of those White Sox porns he was talking about. <laughs> Ron Simmons would fit in perfectly. The vo- He has the voice for it, if nothing else. So he cuts a promo before the match, and all I heard was, damn, 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 damn. And this match is for the ECW championship, by the but way. But it's not the know. main event. The, the title's on the line, but it is not the main event. Yeah, just throw it in the middle. It's a let-up match. You yeah. let the crowd get their popcorn while we have the most prestigious title on the line. ECW champion versus former WCW champion, first ever African-American heavyweight champion in the middle of your show. Apparently, Shane Douglas doesn't care about that. No, not at all. He doesn't give it. I forget what the exact wordage was, but he said he didn't give a shit that he's the first world black because he like fucked up the wording he was like world black champion or something clearly shane douglas is a part of this crowd oh he fits in yeah he fits in i was kind of confused because my impression was that shane douglas was a heel Mm -hmm. in ecw you know throwing down the belt i guess that's kind of like a thing that would pop the crowd and kind of get you well i was gonna say behind you he threw down the nwa title or the eastern championship nwa title or whatever and and brought in this whole thing of extreme so shane douglas in ecw was a baby face to the ecw crowd because he absolutely hated rick flair and shit on rick flair every chance Mm -hmm. he got 
And ECW loved that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And apparently, according to Joey Styles on commentary, Shane Douglas had, like, challenged a few people to, quote-unquote, shoot fights, uh, including Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Bret Hart, guys from New Japan, Smoky Mountain. He's, like, name-dropping all these companies, all these wrestlers. And that's really, like... (laughs) Shows where ECW was here is really just kind of like that little dog that's like trying to get the attention of everybody, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I guess, it was the appeal. Yeah, it was that uh, rebellious nature, I guess, of ECW. It kind of fits right in there. But uh, yeah, so ECW championship is on the line. We have the champion Shane Douglas versus Ron Simmons, and uh, really, again, kind of another. It's kind of like a formula with these matches: is the big heel beats the shit out of the smaller baby face for a long time. And then the baby face gets a win out of nowhere, which is essentially what this match was. Although I do enjoy watching Ron Simmons just throw around people for seven minutes or whatever it was. But the, yeah, Ron has the upper hand and then Shane Douglas hits him with a crucifix pin out of nowhere and gets the win and retains his title. Kind of like next folks, <laughs> kind of like what we saw on dynamite this past or recently where mm. Darby mm. Allen won with a crucifix pin on Brian cage to retain his title again, best episode of dynamite I have seen in a long time. <laughs> so what you're telling me is that sting shouldn't be Darby's mentor. It should be, Shane Douglas. If he wants to learn how to do a crucifix, right? Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. And now I'm thinking about it. You know, you, you put Darby Allen and Shane Douglas next to each other. That could be related. Yeah. I think they look more like each other than him and Sting do. Absolutely. <laughs> and Shane will do all the talking. So mm. that'll take care of that. And it'll just be Shane Douglas for forgetting that he's managing Darby Allen and running his mouth about Ric Flair. <laughs> do you think Shane Douglas still runs his mouth about Ric Flair? I guarantee Shane. That's all Shane Doug. Like, don't get me wrong. Franchise, all of that, his running ECW and, you know, the stuff he did for ECW was fantastic. But that's all the guy had was, I hate Ric Flair. Yeah. That's yeah, pretty much. You didn't, you didn't like Dean Douglas? <laughs> <laughs> it's good, right? He's mm-hmm. Dean. Get it? Yeah, so Shane won the match. No, we're going to talk 30 more minutes about Dean Douglas. Oh, fuck. And then we're going to transition into his run with TNA um, as a ring, like a ring announcer or whatever. <laughs> but yes, Ron Simmons, as per usual, attacks Shane Douglas after the match because he's pissed off that he got beat clean in the middle of the ring. Um, Shane starts to fight back. Um, starting to get the upper hand over Ron Simmons, but Scorpio Sky comes out to help Ron Simmons. So I don't have a lot of context as to why. I guess they're friends, Scorpio and Ron. I can think of a few reasons. Um, but then Scorpio Sky. What are those reasons? So they kind of, uh, they're both really athletic wrestlers. Okay. And uh, <laughs> so they lay out. Uh, Shane Douglas and Scorpio Sky hits the most beautiful moonsault I've ever seen in my life, I think. Um, 
And that pretty much just de- decapitates Shane Douglas right there because he takes forever to get up and he's selling it for like an hour after this. It's good shit all around, basically, is what I'm saying. Okay. And then, uh, so after this, <clears throat> we have what might have been the best segment of the show, in my opinion. Sandman is announced now as per the aforementioned blinding of the Sandman. Sandman comes out. He's wearing a suit, which is like the weirdest part of it, even though he has like sunglasses on with gauze underneath it because he's blind. Um, the suit is what caught me off guard, honestly. And did he or did he not? And I, I, I don't know. I'm assuming you know the reference, but uh, did he or did he not look like Biff from Back to the Future? You know, it's been a long time since I've seen Back to the Future, but I'm I'm, I'm assuming that that's a great joke. I'm, I'm, that's a great. Somebody is listening to this, just pounding on their desk with uh, agreeance with you. I think, but. Back to the future we go. Sandman comes out and uh, he gets in the ring. He's blind, so he has to have somebody kind of leading him in there. Um, and this is essentially billed as his retirement. So this is him kind of just one last hoorah. And my f- <laughs> maybe my favorite part of this is Joey Styles. Did you like uh, his uh, Joey Styles getting all choked up on commentary? Mm-hmm. Um, really sucked you in, right? I don't understand how he didn't have bigger acting roles. <laughs> Thank you, sad man, for all you've done. Like, I don't I don't get how this guy wasn't booked in movies and TV. Mm-hmm. I just really just tug at all my all my heartstrings. That's not all he's tugging at. What what else is he tugging at? Um I don't know. I was just trying something there. It didn't really work. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but you weren't you weren't supposed to ask. You were just supposed to laugh. Jesus Christ! Yeah, you you were you were it's cut off. Two jokes in a row that I tried to drop that you just killed right right off the bat. What Bill the Bill the Bill Buffy? What, what was your other one? Biff from Back Biff? to the Future. He seriously looked just like Biff from Back to the Future. I'll take your word for it. Jesus, but uh, someone that did not look like Biff was uh, Peaches. I think is what her name was. The uh, the estranged wife of the Sandman. So uh, Sandman is out there on the mic. He's kind of like talking like, oh, thank you or whatever, whatever he's saying. I didn't really listen to it, honestly. But then Peaches comes out and I don't know what their history is, but apparently she's estranged, according to Joey Styles. Peaches comes out. She grabs the mic. She looks at Sandman is like, I don't know whether to slap you or kiss you. And then uh, she kisses them, but then they keep yelling at each other. I'm not really sure what's going on here. Um, but then we have Nancy Sullivan. No, 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 no. Do not. Okay, so they're not just yelling at each other. She says, things have changed a lot, or I've changed a lot since the last time you've seen me. And Sandman proceeds to say, oh, yes. I don't care how fat you got. <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, she's out here in a bikini top, clearly with fake breasts. And that How is the you. reference is she got a boob job, but because he's blind, oh, it's, okay. I don't care how fat you got. That's, you know, that was lost on me. I didn't know how she changed. I didn't know if 
she got a nose job, if she's just lost weight, maybe, I don't know. But that makes sense. The context helps. Mm-hmm. The context helps. But then we have woman come out, a.k.a. Nancy Sullivan, a.k.a. Nancy Benoit, comes out, and uh, she does not like peaches. Feel free to fill me in on gaps here in story. I'm not sure what her involvement was in this. Um, other than she's the wife of Kevin Sullivan, who I don't, I guess he's a part of ECW at this point, or is he not? He was, uh, I believe, for a short period. At this point in time, he's not, because later on in the show, they're going to talk about how Kevin Sullivan is going to return to team with Cactus Jack. Right. Uh, returning to ECW. Mm-hmm. So... You're right. So to reset the scene, we have Sandman out there. Peaches is out there. Nancy Sullivan comes out and Singapore canes Peaches in the face. Um, And then Tommy Dreamer comes out because, you know, Nancy's out there. She's about to beat the shit out of Peaches some more. Tommy or no, she's about to beat up Sandman, who, remember, is blind. So he's helpless. Can't defend himself because he's blind. Shout out Mason. And. So Tommy Dreamer comes out to save Sandman because remember, Tommy Dreamer is the one who blinded him in the first place. So he feels bad about it. So he's here to defend him. And then we have Sandman ripping off the gauze, ripping off the sunglasses. He's not blind. He can see. And um, yeah, Swerve City, bro. Then Sandman hits him, Tommy Dreamer, with the most aesthetically pleasing looking Singapore cane shot that I've ever seen. <laughs> that is the one thing Sandman does flawlessly is hit people with Singapore canes. That is he has that figured out. That is his best move. Um, I do have some context here for you if you'd like it. Please. Film so me. Peaches and the Sandman were married. They were teaming together and during a uh a intergender match um sandman was temporarily blinded during that match and when he got his vision back he saw tommy cairo helping his wife up and attack tommy cairo uh, which led to them becoming estranged because he thought there was something going on between peaches and tommy cairo Mm -hmm. at which point he then teamed up with woman and those two uh would have intergender tag team matches sandman and woman versus Tommy Cairo and Peaches. Uh, when he announced that he was blinded the second time and was going to retire, woman then left him and then came back for this retirement ceremony. I see. I see. So he was blinded twice. Man, where's some fucking goggles, Sandman? Yeah. If he had sunglasses on, this wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. Let's take some advice from Mr. Hughes. He had the idea. But, uh, yeah, so Sandman whacks Tommy Dreamer in the back of the head, betrays his friend, and pulls a cigarette out of the kendo stick, <laughs> which is fantastic. Lights it and just smoking it as he keeps to as he keeps beating up Tommy Dreamer with the kendo stick. Just great shit. Great imagery by Sandman. When I think of ECW, I think of Sandman smoking in the middle of the ring. Yeah. And smashing himself in the head with beer cans and kendo sticks. Of course. Of course. Because that's wrestling. It that's is. wrestling. 
But after this, we have Joey Styles on camera. So they announce, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, Joey Styles and the crowd boos the shit out of him <laughs> for no reason. Poor Joey Styles. But um, Joey announces Shane Douglas to join him. And uh, Shane comes out. He's still selling the beatdown from Ron Simmons and uh, uh, Two Cold Scorpio. So uh, Shane has like a phone in his hand as his ribs are taped up. And uh, apparently he's on the phone with Sherry Martell. And uh, Shane claims that on November 19th, which is a few weeks from this show, he will face the team of Ron Simmons and Two Cold Scorpio. And they are going to face him and his partner, Stunning Steve Austin, which never happens. Correct. And it's a few, it's several months. In fact, it might even be closer to a year before uh, Steve gets there. But um, I know in this timeline, because he, this is like the time where he got just fucking buried by Jim Duggan on a pay-per-view and he's upset with the storylines and then his placement on the card um, I don't know if he's actually injured at this point. If not, he's soon to be injured, and that's kind of like where his downfall comes, and he ends up getting fired from WCW. So we do see we do see Steve here eventually, but not in this match that Shane is claiming. Which is telling you that there's clearly a working relationship here between WCW and ECW. And also, we get the match. We get Ron Simmons and Scorpio Sky versus Shane Douglas with Sherry as the manager. But it's Stunning Steve Austin's Hollywood Blonde tag team partner, Brian Pillman, that is in that match, not mm. Steve Austin. Okay. That's pretty cool, I guess. I do like me some pills. Um, continuing with the AEW theme, more Brian Pillman. Um, mm-hmm. So we have the ECW television title is on the line. The champion, Dean Malenko, versus... A man from Tasmania, the Tasmanian suplex machine, the Tasmaniac. And we have no idea where he puts his penis. <laughs> oh, it's there. We know where it is. We just don't know how he controls it. Dude, the back half of the show was so fucking heavy. Like, if you had just sat down and said, hey, I'm thinking about covering ECW 1994. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, what's on the card? Dean Malenko versus Taz. The Sandman retires. Shane Douglas versus Ron Simmons in an ECW title match. Not to mention the stuff we haven't even got to yet. Uh, Mm -hmm. I would have been like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah. You know, I didn't even need the Pitbulls versus the Bad Breed or Man Bear Pig versus JT Smith or Hughes versus (laughs) Scorpio or Dreamer versus Cairo, really. It's a crescendo. Yeah. Okay, we're building up to it. And... So, like I said, we have Taz versus Dean Malenko here. And, man, I could watch Taz suplex people all day. I, I hate think. that he wrestled without boots. Yeah, that caught me off guard, too. I get it. I just, I hate barefoot wrestlers. <clears throat> Matt Riddle. <clears throat> <laughs> so, do you have, like, the opposite of a foot fetish? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I guess. I don't want to fucking see your feet cover that shit up. Yeah, and wash it, too. Why don't yeah, you? Yeah, fuck. But Taz does probably, right? It didn't look like it. <laughs> well, he's freeze from Tasmania, so. Yeah. They don't okay, have boots wash. there. Yeah. He looked more Samoan to me. Like the way he was moving, 
the the no feet or the no feet the no shoes the uh the, the the hair the tassels i'm just trying to figure out what part of red hook is tasmania <laughs> the uh the eastern side oh I the think. eastern the eastern side <laughs> yeah you know it goes down on the eastern side of yeah. tasmania red hook but the match only gets more ridiculous so we have taz just suplexing Dean over and over again, you know, giving Dean all sorts of concussions. Um, but Dean retaliates, not with wrestling holds, not with a uh, a Texas clover leaf, not with a pile driver, not with a power bomb. But Dean grabs a towel, a mysterious towel, and uh, because Taz is distracted outside of the ring with, I guess, does Dean have a manager? I think. Was this the one where that the sexiest man alive was? Yes, there? yes, yes, it was. And that was Dean's manager, correct? Correct. So Taz was distracted with this guy who gives a fuck what his name was, and uh, Dean is in the in the ring with a towel. Taz gets in the ring. Dean smothers Taz in the face with this towel, and uh, yeah, does he pin him or is it? Do they just ring the bell after that? I believe they rang the bell. So I was actually really intrigued by this because, you know, outside of woman caning peaches and everything that we had just seen right before this, um, Malenko essentially chloroformed Taz with the intent of finding out where he put his penis. (laughs) Because why else do you chloroform somebody? You even heard Tommy Dreamer. I, I can smell it from here. Like, I, I highly doubt you can, but uh, it smells like chloroform. <laughs> yeah, there's there's something on that rag. I wonder what it could be. What do you put on a rag that knocks somebody out? Maybe like some uh, some garlic powder or like uh, lemon juice. I will say this. I did notice during this match as Taz was stretching, and getting ready. He'd do his squats mm-hmm. and you just see his balls <laughs> dangling between his leg. Just perfect little package there. As if he was teabagging an invisible man. Perfect little package. That's that's what his nickname should have been. <laughs> the perfect little package, Taz. <laughs> well, that's why she, the, the softest part of the ring. That's why she brought up his penis was because it was so prominent in his little little singlet there. Mm-hmm. Makes me miss jumpsuit Taz. Oh, jeez. <sighs> man, but uh, bold aside. Dean wins with the uh, chloroform to the face. Um, I think that's the official what goes down in the uh, the record books. Um, Fun again, side note. I yeah. hated. So you know how like we look at these people on Twitter and they're all fucking weird. and They're absolutely in love with these wrestlers and blah, 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 blah. I attribute that to these people are like 13, 14, 15 years old because that's how I was. Um, I was absolutely in love with Lita. Like I had convinced my 13 year old self that I was going to grow up and marry Lita one day. Um, mm-hmm. And when Dean Malenko was stalking Lita, I hated, like hated Dean Malenko. He was probably my most hated wrestler for a long time, despite the <laughs> fact that he is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. I just had an unbridled, unexplainable, just distaste for Dean Malenko. And I love right. that one of the greatest technical wrestlers in history, uh, one with chloroform, not a wrestling hold, not a submission. 
it's a constant thread throughout his career is being creepy and doing that shit. So it's, it's, it's long-term storytelling, everybody. Starts out with chloroform, then ends with whatever the fuck he did to Lita. I don't even want to think of, remember. He was stalking her. He, like, attacked her in the shower, like, walked in the shower when she was trying to take a shower, like, fucking creep, yeah. which I would probably do now. Um, Just terrible <laughs> things, man. Man. People think of Dean Malenko as this, like, technical wizard in the ring, but really he's just a creep that chloroforms people and jumps in and on showers. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be his legacy. He's a weird voyeur. That's a good gimmick, though. He's a voyeur and a kidnapper. There's, there's been worse gimmicks. Yeah. Like DDP and WWE from 2001. <laughs> you didn't like his, you didn't like positive DDP? No, that not that one. The the stalker gimmick that he did with the Undertaker's wife. I'm going to say the stalker gimmick was better than the, the yoga shit that he was doing <sighs> in WWF. Because I'm watching that right now. And uh, man... You don't like the teeth bad. and the mic and uh, I hate the teeth. You just don't like fun. That's what I've learned about you. You don't like fun. That's that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only thing you need to know about me is I don't wash my legs and I hate fun. <laughs> don't wash my legs. And I hate fun. <laughs> uh, but we got four people out here that probably also don't wash their legs. We have the ECW tag team titles on the line. Public Enemy versus the champions, Cactus Jack and Mikey Whipwreck. To be fair, I don't think Cactus Jack can bend over to wash his legs, so it's not his fault. I'm sure if Mm. he could, he would. I don't think he physically can. Um, Public Enemy, you know, they've been everywhere. They were in WCW. They were in ECW. I believe they had a really short stint in WWF as well. Mm -hmm. Um you know, they've been all over the place. Obviously, Cactus Jack, Mick Foley, Mankind, however you know him. And this isn't too long off from him becoming Mankind and feuding with The Undertaker in one of my favorite feuds in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, Mikey Whipwreck, on the other hand, I only knew Mikey Whipwreck from later in his ECW career. So this did not look like the Mikey Whipwreck I knew. This kid was skinny. This is not yeah. the way I remembered Mikey. Yeah, Mikey Whipwreck. This is funny because this is actually all I remember of Mikey Whipwreck is him being that kid that doesn't belong in there. Um, as you said, really skinny, really scrawny, um, and just a hilarious blend with Cactus Jack, who is very fresh off of him uh, leaving WCW. Um, he'll kind of allude to that later in the show, but he basically lost a loser leaves WCW match at a fall brawl, which by the time this comes out, which will be a previous episode of mine. And um, so Cactus Jack left WCW is now ECW, obviously. Um, and then you have Public Enemy, who a lot of people, I feel like Public Enemy, at least as far as I see it there, what people remember them from is their stint in WWF, where they lasted a very short amount of time and basically got like shoot their ass kicked by the APA, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And then just got pretty much just got tossed out of WWF for not really... I don't know if they're just being shitty in the locker room or what it was. So they feuded with uh, the Nasty Boys for a while in WCW in like 95, 96, I want to say. And they were basically like the younger knockoff Nasty Boys. And then the Dudley Boys kind of became, you know, the next iteration of that with 
their right. style. It was a, it's a very similar style, you know, not that uh Bully Ray looks anything like uh the Nasty Boys or uh Public Enemy whereas Devon, you know, dead on. Mhm. So dead on. Dead on. Um <laughs> You know, it's it's this weird like Nasty Boys, Public Enemy, Dudley Boys like evolution. Whereas the Dudley Boys ended up being one of the greatest tag teams of all time. So the Dudley Boys are like the Charizard of uh, yes evolution. Correct. Yeah, and uh, Public Enemy is definitely Charmeleon, that awkward middle character that no one cares about. Exactly. Exactly. Couldn't have put it any better myself. But let's talk about the stipulation of this match real quick. What is the stipulation of this match? It is kind of a last man standing match. So the premise here is that so public enemy comes out with bats, which I guess is their gimmick. Um, but the stipulation is that they can't use those bats until, or neither team can use the bats until they knock down one of their opponents for a 10 count. So it's essentially a last man standing match to see who gets to use the bat and then that team can use the bat to get a normal pinfall victory or whatever. So it was kind of confusing in the beginning, but ultimately it was like, whatever. Um, but it's ECW, so like, what, we have rules all of a sudden? I just watched Tommy Dreamer pull a, a canoe oar out of the crowd and hit his opponent with it. But it is what it is, so. It's AEW. I'm sorry, go on. <laughs> so the match happens. Um, a lot of ruckus, a lot of shenanigans ensue. Uh, ultimately, I think it's Johnny Grunge. Is that his name? Yes. And Rocco Rock is the other guy. And Rocco Rock. Um, so Johnny Grunge throws powder in Cactus Jack's face. So Cactus Jack is blinded. Uh, we have the second blind guy of the night. And he, at some point, accidentally gives Mikey Whipwreck, his partner, a double arm DDT. And that is what gets the 10 count. So now the public enemy can legally use their uh, bats, which look like aluminum bats, which is aggressive. So the amount of like kendo shots, like off-putting kendo shots to head because CTE wasn't a thing, mm-hmm. aluminum baseball bats, oars, frying pans to the face, uh, metal chains to the forehead, like the amount of brain damage that was caused in this one show alone. Yeah. Lots of Dane Bramage for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they fight in the crowd. Um, obviously, public enemies just walloping these guys with bats, but they end up fighting in the crowd at some point. They get to like the scaffold kind of like production area where Joey Styles is, um, where two tables, two wooden tables are already set up. So, uh, whatever, Johnny Grunge, I think it is, or Rocco Rock sets up stacks tables. So that we have a you know a double table situation here, and then there's like a uh, like a elevated area right next to it. So they fight up to that. So basically, they're fighting on a platform where the tables are below them. At this point, so they're fighting up there. They're jostling. Uh, you know, one of the public enemy guys is trying to throw off Cactus Jack through these tables. Are you flirting with me? Am I? Oh, jostling, blow them. <laughs> Yeah, there's just a couple of guys grappling, um, you know, trying to best one another in a in a in the sport of wrestling. And then um for some reason, and maybe you can provide context on why this happens, 
Paul E, Sabu, and 911 come out and attack Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge. And then I believe it's 911 that tosses Rocco Rock off the ledge through the tables. So what what is this? Because I understand they're a faction. Paul Heyman, Sabu, and 911. But what did I guess they have a, some sort of beef with the public enemy here? Oh, I have no fucking clue. Me neither. I don't think anybody else does, to be <laughs> fair. Um, no, I yeah, I, I really don't know the uh because I again, like you didn't, I didn't go back and watch everything. And a lot of the shit that I brought up and the knowledge that I, I've delivered this episode, I Googled real quick while you were talking. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was not prepared for that, so I, I, I did not look that up. So I don't know where that got you off was. guard. I will say, did you really not notice the guy ringside who just had a new sign for every match? Because for this match, when Public Enemy came out, he had a sign that said, uh, the belts are coming back to the hood. And then when Cactus and Mikey made their entrance, he put that away and he pulled out a sign that said, send Mikey back, back, back to Brooklyn, I believe. (laughs) I did notice that guy. I probably I didn't catch it every single. And then he took that out. And he brought the belt sign back out for the end of the match. Because that was the hardest worker of the show, I think. Yeah, dude, guy. you got to go through all these fucking signs and find the right ones. And, you know, imagine the prep to put them in order to know, like, the match mm. order. And they had something for everyone. Everyone. A lot of, a lot of Sharpie ink, mm. right? It's a, that's a pretty expensive task to write all those signs. Especially in 94, you know. Phew, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Rocco Rock gets tossed off a cliff uh, through a table. He, he tried to go through two tables, but he really just went through one. So Cactus Jack ends up fighting uh, uh, Johnny Grunge, the guy that didn't get thrown through a table. He lays him on the other table, and then Cactus Jack gets on that ledge and hits him with an elbow drop. Famous Cactus elbow. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's all I wanted in this show was a good old fashioned cactus elbow. You could have just stopped at a good old fashioned. <laughs> also, did you I'm know that the- I believe tossed off is a British term for uh, a hand job as well? Tossed off. I know toss your salad. That No, that's different. Those are very different uh, bases, I think. Yeah. Speaking of eating asshole, Public Enemy ends up getting the win. And <laughs> I honestly forget how Public Enemy wins here. I think they just take Mikey in the ring and just kind of buttfuck him into submission, essentially. Am I, do I have that right? Uh, yeah. I like your I like yours better than the actual ending, so we're going to go with uh, yeah. they buttfuck Mikey <laughs> into submission. So uh, they win the coveted ECW tag team titles, I think. Um, and then I don't think we have a post-match brawl, but I think it's because the heels won. So that's that. Um, then another seamless transition. We have a uh, Tom Gordon is uh has the mic. I think he's backstage, and he's basically you know running down a future card for ECW, but uh, he gets interrupted by Cactus Jack, who apparently is now alive and says that you mentioned this earlier but basically says that mikey is unable to compete which i don't know how he figured that out already but mikey is unable to compete 
So at the next card or a future, whatever, a few weeks, I think it's November 19th, which I guess is some sort of big show that they're building up to. That was what Tom Gordon was out there for was too. And so like earlier you said they announced we'll be back in two weeks and they were plugging merch and you can go Mm -hmm. buy, you know, your beverage of choice and all that. And this, he was running down the card and he was going over all the matches that we were going to see in two weeks when they return to the ECW arena, what we were going to get. Mm hmm. So we're going to get a tag team match, a rematch. Well, not a rematch, kind of a rematch. Public Enemy is going to put their tag titles on the line against Cactus Jack and Kevin Sullivan, who uh, I think we mentioned earlier, they were WCW tag team champions a few months ago at this point. So um, it's so funny how quickly they just left WCW, even though they were literally there like a few months ago. Um so that's the thing that happens, I guess. Does that actually happen? I don't know if you researched that one. No, no. I uh, I, I don't give two shits about Kevin Sullivan, so I was <laughs> not intrigued. Um, not a big Dungeon of Doom guy? So here's the thing. For a while, and I, I think it's still going on, I just, my uh, co-host has not been enthused. We were doing a second show called Return to Wrestling where we go back and watch uh, from the very first Nitro, and we cover from uh, that Nitro through a pay-per-view and then start at the Nitro after the pay-per-view to a next pay-per-view, so on and so forth. We were working our way through, and I've had to schlock through the Dungeon of Doom for a <laughs> very long time, and I have now earned a uh, undeniable hate for Kevin Sullivan for creating, perpetuating, and shoving the Dungeon of Doom down my throat. Ooh. Like Ron Simmons' cock. Okay. <laughs> Just way down there. That's the biggest one, Yeah, as we as we mentioned. Yeah. Damn. Is that what he says to his penis? That's what his penis says to you. No. <laughs> okay. Um. Anyways, so we have Chris Benoit versus Sabu. So I'm guessing this was supposed to be the main event. Guessing. In, In this- a death match. Death match. So does that mean uh, you only win by death? Uh, basically because that's what happened. Almost. Yeah. Almost. So they, and you brought this up. This is what you're alluding to at the beginning where it was, it's an iconic moment, a notorious moment in ECW. And I've only seen this like as a clip. I didn't know it was the show that this happened. Same. But as, as soon as, um, like I saw like what each guy was wearing, I was like, wait, I recognize this. And then, um, so the match gets underway and literally like maybe 60 seconds into it, they do a spot where I guess Benoit is going for a back body drop. Um, but there's some miscommunication in there and Sabu gets thrown like 10 feet in the air and lands right on his fucking neck. Yeah, no, early on, uh, in the days of the internet, when, uh, they made compilations and everything of like the worst, like you'd have, Sid Vicious breaking his leg and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. This was always on those compilations. Uh, Sabu breaks his neck, and it's the first, I believe, of two times. I think Taz broke Sabu's neck as well. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, instead of taking a flat back, uh, he just came down right on his neck. He saw his head go sideways. Uh, oh. It was it was bad. Yeah. Yeah, it was rough. Um, and <laughs> I don't know if it's a funny side note, but it's a side note. I guess this is where Benoit gets his crippler nickname. 
That's true. Uh, that's not me just pulling it out of my ass. I, no, I know it is. It's just, uh, it's it's so weird in today's world. Mm-hmm. After everything that happened in 2020 and, you know, the, the Benoit dark side of the ring and everything, to watch Benoit break another man's neck on the same show that woman, you know, was in a relationship with a blinded Sandman. It's just it's weird to go back and see all this shit because they weren't even yeah. together at that point, you know? And then, mm-hmm. you know, he breaks a guy's neck and gets named the Crippler. And it's. I'm going to go ahead and say this. And this might be controversial. Chris Bedwall, he's he's not a great person, I don't think. <laughs> he's kind of, you know, in, in, in the personality department, I think he's lacking. Really? Not a not a cool guy. But um, I fully blame Sabu for this, though, like. I don't feel like the issue here with Sabu breaking his neck was on Benoit. I, I feel like Benoit executed the move correctly and Sabu failed to transition to his back. It's very likely, you know, Sabu is probably coked out of his mind at this point and just kind of gets in there, doesn't know what he's doing and just kind of throwing his body around. So I can see that it's probably, uh, I mean, in my opinion, it's probably a little bit on both, um, but probably more so on Sabu. I would agree with you. Um, but so yeah, we have Sabu breaking his neck and like, literally he got brought to the hospital, almost died because of it. It was, it was crazy. Um, so obviously he can't compete, but this is the main event of the show and the match lasted literally like 60 seconds. And, uh, so it was amazing to watch them trying to figure out what to do. All hell breaks loose. Like. Dude, it is chaos for like <laughs> the last 20 minutes of this show. And so I don't know. So 911 comes out first because they're treating Sabu on the outside. I guess they bring him to the back. But Benoit's still in there. He's like yawning at the crowd. He's like, ah, I was scheduled to face somebody tonight and I need whatever. 911 comes out, uh, attacks Benoit. Choke slams him and pins him. Well, mind you, Benoit's, <laughs> Benoit's running around saying, I didn't sign a contract to fight you. He wanted nothing to do with 911. He's avoiding 911. He right. did not sign the contract. Yep. And Joey Styles technically signed off the show. He's like, All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, that was it for yes. tonight. And then the show just continued for another 20 minutes. Nobody knows what's going on. Nobody's communicating to anybody. Um, but yeah, like you said, Benoit's like, I'm not going to fight you, Mr. 911. Um, but they end up fighting. 911 choke slams him. And the ref pins him. Counts one, two, three. So Benoit just fucking loses, gets squashed in the middle of all of this by 911. I don't know if that was the plan or if that was like, if that's like Paul Hammond yelling at 911, hey, hey, get out there and go, go fight Benoit. And then 911's like, and do what? And Paul Hammond's like, oh, no, pin him, I guess. Yeah, probably something along those lines. Um, and the public enemy comes out. They take a really shitty double choke slam from nine one one. The whole locker room empties. Everyone's Paul, out there. Paul Heyman also came out and attacked public enemy and then got knocked down and was in the corner and actually took yeah. some offense. You know, he, he got stomped. He, he had some shit happen. So Paul's out in the fray with his brick phone. Public enemies out, the entire locker room, everyone that's wrestled tonight. Stevie Richards is out there. 
Yeah. Did you see fuck. him? Yeah, I saw Stevie. <laughs> Can I tell you the thing that caught me most off guard during all of this is the fact that Taz was out there. I'm sorry. The Tasmaniac was out there. I think I could not tell if he had shoes on or not. There were, there were like they might have been really thin shoes, but he also had like pants and like a like a button-up shirt, like totally non-gimmick, <laughs> like totally the opposite of what they're trying to portray him at, but that just shows like this is probably an audible that they called due to Sabu yeah, literally like, on the fly. Everyone come out. I don't care what you're wearing. Just get out there now. <laughs> just go out there. Figure it out. Man, yeah, just utter chaos. Everybody's fighting all over the arena. There's really, I mean, no rhyme or reason to anything that's happening. Um, but ultimately, through all of this, I guess uh, Scorpio, Too Cold Scorpio, gets told that he's going to have a match with Chris Benoit, a very last minute replacement, I guess. So they have an official match, which is kind of, you know, it's still chaos going around. People are still fighting all around the arena. Um, the match, I mean, even the match itself is very like hectic. And I, I believe it ends in a double count out. So they didn't want to deal with all the booking aspects of it. So, Hey, Scorps, Go out there, fight Benoit for a little bit on the outside, and the ref will count you out, and we'll we'll go home. It's basically the premise of what happened there at the end. Uh-huh. Did I miss anything? No, no. Uh, I mean, probably because there was just so much going on and so many people fighting yeah. and brawling and shit. Um, and then you had Public Enemy raise Benoit's hands at the very end of the show as if he won. Um, dude, it was it was utter insanity. Yeah. I mean, this whole show was pretty much utter insanity. Um, but yes, ECW November to remember 1994. Mr. Matt Ritter, uh, spit or swallow? I'm going to swallow. Um, as bad as the production was, um, as many microphone issues as they had, which you could visibly see them like switching batteries and Benoit trying to cut promos here at the end and the mic not working and all of the shit that was going on. I was entertained from start to finish. Uh, Whether it was me sitting there making fun of the people that came out to wrestle or reminiscing about people that I knew. uh, Like I said, you had a great card. None of the finishes were, you know, anything to none of the matches were something I'd be like, you need to go see that match other than the Benoit breaking Sabu's neck, which was not really a match. There was nothing here that was like, that's something you need to go back and watch. That was a classic, but the entire show was a clusterfuck of entertainment. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. There's not like a match that I would point somebody to, but there are like moments on this show that were iconic moments very entertaining moments you know sandman tommy dreamer stuff um speaking of which i forgot when they were getting peaches out of the ring did you hear the crowd chanting pull the string was that a tampon thing so it might have been i was assuming they were talking about the string on the back of her bikini top that she wore to the ring (laughs) but it it could be a tampon thing maybe she was in a skirt maybe they saw it they're like pull the string like i don't know that's kind of fucking weird place to go but okay Oh, that's a thing that did happen in wrestling eventually. So not yeah. completely out of, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it did. 
it's just weird that that's like of all the places to go with pull the string you went to tampon well you know i pull mine out regularly so it's just natural so (laughs) (laughs) what a disaster i don't know why i keep bringing you on this show uh, basically for all the talk about Ron Simmons penis is my assumption. I, I noticed one, that one day you brought me an back episode. for another Ron Simmons show, <laughs> man. Every time I have a show that has Ron Simmons on it, I'll be sure to have you on, but yes, Matt Riddler of the, uh, I hate you so much. <laughs> Matt Ritter of the smacking it raw podcast. One of my favorite podcasts out there to listen to. I appreciate that. I, uh, there, there's a lot of podcasts out there, especially, you know, getting in this, you know, the whole community we have, we have a lot of friends online that have podcasts, so it's hard to listen to all of them, but I, I always make time to listen to yours. Um, yeah, why don't you tell everybody about uh, what you guys are doing over there? Um, well, we are the number one wrestling podcast, not currently on Pornhub, but we're working on getting back. Uh, I have a new co-host, permanent co-host, Vince Delgado, Danny Delgado. Um, we have great chemistry. I love working with Vince, so I'm glad to have him on board. Uh, we drop new episodes every Saturday. Sometimes if Travis is lazy, they come out on Sunday. So you guys can look for that. It is a recap of uh, the Week in Wrestling. We cover Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and AEW. And there is a lot, lot, lot of sexual innuendo and talk, whether it's Kenny uh, taking people's V-triggers or mm. uh, you know penis sizes, money shots, all sorts of things. Uh, we like to mix the naughty with the wrestling, uh, but try and also give you a uh, fairly professional analyzation of what's going on in the ring um, in an abridged recap for the week. Yeah, and honestly, <laughs> I kind of used it to kind of catch up on stuff that I didn't feel like watching during the week, but you guys always make it entertaining. Um, so yeah, good shit over there, and yeah, man, thanks again for coming on. Thank you. You guys can find me at Matt Ritter. That's at M-A-T-T-R-I-D-D-E-R. Uh, Noel on Twitter and there you guys can find the link trees for all our stuff if you want to come check us out and find them on OnlyFans backslash uh, tickle my riddler <laughs> I hate you so much <laughs> once again thank you to Matt Ritter from the smacking it raw podcast find him on Twitter at Matt Ritter find his uh, link tree at linktree backslash smacking it raw on uh, all podcast platforms. Find them on YouTube as well. They do a visual version of the podcast, which is great. Uh, there's a lot of wrestling podcasts out there, especially, you know, fan made wrestling podcasts for lack of a better term. But smacking it raw is one of those that I always make time to listen to. It's a good, you know, run through the week. Um, if you if you're need to if you need my cat fucking in the background. If you need to like catch up on wrestling throughout the week and listen to an entertaining bunch of folks cover it, smacking it raw is the one for you. So go check him out. Loved having him on the podcast here. We had a great time and uh Yeah. Sometimes I don't know how to end it. Uh episodes. If you if you haven't uh been able to tell um, I spent like 50 goddamn minutes in the intro. So now I'm just kind of here pulling my pud waiting for the episode to end. You know, sometimes that happens. Thank you guys once again for listening. Really appreciate you a lot. Apronbump.com at Apronbump on Twitter at Apron underscore bump on Instagram. 
Follow me on YouTube too, you fucks. Why don't you do that? Post a lot of clips, post my full episodes there. Maybe a few uh, meat spin videos will be coming your way soon. <laughs> okay. Thank you guys once again. I'm hard. Talk around and disregard it. Should you walk the ground, show you a heart.